This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner alongside Swamp 247 staff writer Graham Hall. Graham, it's always good to be back on the show. Uh, second episode this week. You weren't with us earlier. Uh, Blake Alderman joining us on the podcast. For those of you who didn't listen, uh, really great preview of what Florida is going to be doing recruiting-wise when it hosts LSU uh, on Saturday at 7 p.m. And that, Graham, is what you are here to talk about. Uh, is the matchup, what's going to happen on the field, not necessarily around it. Uh, big game for both teams, coming in 4-2, and two, uh, first year of a new coaching staff. Uh, this is an interesting matchup, obviously a rivalry, uh, and between two teams that should be fairly evenly matched. Let me ask you first, what, what are some of your thoughts going into this game, uh, maybe big picture with regard to the season? This is Florida's first matchup of the second half of its campaign. Again, 4-2 and two overall, 1-2. and two in the SEC. Yeah, I think that this matchup is kind of always expect the unexpected here. And I think that when you have emotions tied into a contest like this, uh, a lot of uncertainty we've talked about and written about at swamp247.com about how you have to prepare by going off of a lot of different programs, whether that's looking at what Jaden Daniels can do going back to his time at Arizona State or looking at the coordinators from Cincinnati and looking at Notre Dame footage from what Brian Kelly did over the better part of a decade there. So I think that it's absolutely a, an interesting matchup here, first year coaches at their programs. And you really just kind of knowing what we've seen recently, it's really what team has been able to limit the amount of mistakes in those games for the last two years for Florida. Uh, two years ago, it was undisciplined um, penalties to use a Billy Napier quote. It was mistakes. And then last year was turnovers. Uh, Florida was pretty turnover prone and their rush defense, and I'll, I'll transition it back to you after this, their rush defense was absolutely putrid in that contest. I mean, LSU came into that game 127th in the nation in rushing. They didn't really have a mobile quarterback like they have right now. They came in 127th in rushing, and they rushed for more than 300 yards against the Gators. I mean, Tyrion Davis-Prince, I mean, had, what, 287 yards. That I mean, right. incredible performance by him, but it underscored that Florida really – has struggled when it comes to stopping the run. And that's not really something right now that has necessarily gone away. We've seen them give up a hundred yards on the ground to Hendon hooker um, and Tennessee ran all over them as Tennessee did against LSU as well. And then Florida, you know, even gave up 300 rushing yards to USF earlier in the season. So against an LSU team that had success with it last year against Florida and a, a Florida defense that has struggled with it. Once again, that is absolutely a key component 
of this game to watch for aside from all the unpredictability and surely some of the emotional uh, mistakes that are prone to happen in a contest like this. Sure. Let, let's maybe zoom out on that offense. You mentioned Jaden Daniels, the consistency aspect of what he's been able to do this season. Uh, this is a matchup that in my mind is, uh, if you're a Florida fan, I would think that this is scary. Uh, I view LSU offensively uh, very similarly to how I view USF offensively from a schematics and personnel standpoint, and maybe stylistically of how they're going to move the ball. The difference, however, uh, is I think LSU does it a lot better. I see a running quarterback uh, who knows how to be dynamic. I see a quarterback who doesn't really evaluate downfield options in a really great way, but is effective in his short to medium game. Uh, they try and move the ball quickly. It's going to require a lot of discipline. Uh, you have to keep your eyes in the right place against a defense like this. And you kind of have to, uh, offense, excuse me. Uh, and you have to be kind of perfect defensively. H how do you see it? Because I actually foresee a lot of problems for this Florida defense. Yeah, I think Jaden Daniels is a smart quarterback. I know that, you know, you pointed out some of his, the downsides of his game areas. He still needs to improve, making sure that he does, you know, remain patient before taking off and running and wait for the play to develop and find his, his target downfield. But what I see is in really the two years where the guy has had a functional offense around him, going back to his freshman season, I know you can speak a little bit more to this, but going back to his freshman season at Arizona State and then this season at LSU, I mean, his touchdown to interception rate is 24 to 3 in those two years. If you take out the 2020 season where Arizona State only played four games and then 2021, where there was a lot of, I guess you could say, discord and in that unit there. So those two seasons, I think, is a good indicator of a Jaden Daniels that protects the football, makes the right decisions. Maybe he misses out on a few opportunities and those show themselves in the game and, and sometimes lead to his team not really um, being able to have as impactful as an offense as they would have otherwise. Sure. But I think that this is a guy who is a very sound quarterback. And as you mentioned, Florida has struggled with mobile quarterbacks this season they faced a few of them cam rising uh you mentioned uh jerry bohannon as well at usf and then obviously hendon hooker you know those guys have absolutely kind of i don't want to say had their way with florida but they've been able to i think take advantage of a lot of the in progress elements of this florida defense and and i don't know if really the gators through six games heading into their seventh game have made the strides in those departments that you would be looking for or whether this is going to be really another contest where they kind of get picked apart by a quarterback with dual threat ability. Yeah. I, I think that the Jaden Daniels, uh, Jaden Daniels aspect of this is interesting to me, uh, more than I would say a typical opposing quarterback. Uh, for those of you who don't know, just so I can level with where I'm coming from here. I have covered, uh, Jaden Daniels entire collegiate career. I, I, before covering Florida, uh, covered Arizona State for 24-7 sports and was there. Uh, my first year of covering the team full-time was Jaden Daniels' freshman season. So I was there, you know, 2019 through 2021. I've seen the problems and, you know, what can be uh, potentially a very potent quarterback. I think, Graham, to your point about Jaden Daniels maybe not necessarily allowing this LSU offense to operate at maximum efficiency and do the things it wanted to do, this doesn't come as a surprise to me. Uh, I think even back in, in 2019 when he had a really promising year as a true freshman at Arizona State, there were a lot of those same problems where uh, downfield shot type opportunities were not maximized. 
uh, within a scheme that was rather simple but effective. Uh, it continued on the next year. Arizona State then, like you mentioned, had uh, problems between Daniels and their former offensive coordinator. It seems as though they disagreed quite a bit, uh, which led to hiccups. I actually think that Jaden Daniels is kind of in a middle ground between what he was as a true freshman, which was this really promising, uh, very smart decision maker, uh, looking like somebody who really does read the field well and evaluates when running the ball might be most effective versus when it's probably better to try and throw it versus like 2021 Jaden Daniels, where the decision-making took a hit. Uh, I think that the he, doesn't, he didn't weigh properly when it was better to run versus when it was better to pass, and it kind of blinded his decision-making. I see some of those tendencies still. Uh, and you know, against FSU in the season opener, I think that that was an issue. Uh, and a couple more times throughout LSU season, it's kind of popped up. But I also think that people might not be giving Jaden Daniels enough credit for when he can be effective. He, Like you said, he takes care of the football. He doesn't get intercepted a lot. He isn't going to put up gaudy passing numbers. It's just not his style. But he is LSU's leading rusher. This is a guy who's a threat against really any defense. But I, frankly, Florida's defense is below average. It hasn't done things well this season. Uh, we've seen a lot of undisciplined mistakes. We've seen guys get out of position, which leads to massive plays, especially the case against teams like Tennessee. Eastern Washington, an, F an FCS offense, found success against Florida's defense. I don't know that this Gator defense matches up well against LSU. I think it's kind of a matchup nightmare. Uh, tell me, Graham, what... What are some of the things that Florida's defense will need to do well if they hope to prove me wrong? What what needs to happen based on what we heard throughout the week uh, in our conversations with players and, and Billy Napier? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, gap control is a massive thing for this team, um, especially, you know, with, with the linebackers. That is something that has been a kind of an issue all season long, despite the strength of Ventro Miller's play, the unit around him, I, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired, as well as making sure that they play contain, you know, not to criticize um, a guy like Brenton Cox, but I think that with him, when he isn't getting to the quarterback, it, it can sometimes result in a big play for the opposition. And sometimes you want to limit those mistakes and, to, you know, to three, four yards rather than going for the tackle for a loss every sure. single time. Um, that is certainly something that I think that that people have pointed out about his play. And it is something to monitor moving forward. So with him, I, I think that playing contain, playing the assignment, that is absolutely something to watch in this contest. And, and I think that he has gotten a better understanding of that and has also had more success at, at getting to the quarterback, hurrying the quarterback and forcing someone maybe who's prone to making a bad decision into actually doing that. So that is where kind of that benefit doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but I think for, you know, that, that is part of the linebacker unit. So that's why I think it's overall fair to, I think, point to that level right now. And then as well, continuing to get some depth for the defensive line, a very inexperienced group, a team that lost six veteran players from last year and Jervon Dexter, I, you know, you talked about this with him throughout the week and um, you know, he's a guy who the stats indicator is playing in a high abundance uh, of snaps and it seems that when the game goes on, the numbers indicate that his effectiveness can drop off because he's being asked to do so much on the field and making sure that they continue to develop the two guys behind him, two guys who didn't play at all last year in Tyreek Sapp, a red shirt who didn't the field at all. And then Chris McClellan, a true freshman who arrived early in January, 
making sure those guys develop and, and are able to take some of the the pressure off of Jervon Dexter, that is something to continue to watch. And if they can, you know, have some success when Dexter's not on the field, that very much bodes well for Florida throughout that contest when it comes to stopping, you know, the team from running the ball against them in, in the, the waning minutes of the game when um, they're trying to turn the tide. And before I move us on to the next part of the field here and we continue our discussion about LSU, I will say uh, you mentioned sacks. This is a good opportunity for Florida to try and continue its little uh, hot streak of, of taking down opposing quarterbacks, nine sacks in Florida's last three games. Uh, this is an LSU team that has had horrible offensive line play so far this season, even with a mobile quarterback. Uh, they've already surrendered 21 sacks on the year. It ranks among the bottom teams in the FBS overall. Uh, this is a game that Javon Dexter, Brenton Cox, Princely Uman Malin, uh, they have an opportunity here. My, Justice Boone is another guy. You mentioned Chris McClellan. Uh, these are all guys who should be able to get after the quarterback here, and I think that that could play a, a massive factor in you know trying to limit uh, what LSU is going to be able to do with its offense. Let's turn it around here. Let's talk Florida defense – or sorry, excuse me. Let's talk Florida offense against LSU defense. Uh, Graham, tell me, what are some of the things that people should watch out for from the Tigers defensive unit, uh, strengths, weaknesses, what, what, what do we have going on here? Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild, conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, this isn't a bad uh, defensive line really by any means um, from LSU, but I think one of the big things for them is the fact that they've lost a significant amount of talent already this season from losing seven banks. Um, the Ohio State transfer, he suffered a spinal cord bruise, nasty injury. They also are down major burns, two guys in that defensive backfield right there, um, to, in that defense, excuse me, that I think are you know massive contributors for that team, you know, seven banks is uh, the younger brother of former Florida uh, safety, Marcel Harris. And, um, you know, he was an impact player for them this year. And, and then, of course, in the first you know game of the season, losing Mason Smith, you know, it has been absolutely, they have taken several hits throughout uh, this season here. And it has led to a drop off in their effectiveness. They did benefit from the transfer portal, um, get getting a defensive back out of the transfer portal from Arkansas. But this is a team that, absolutely is banged up really kind of the opposite of them um they are have a really good linebacker play um mm -hmm. give uh, micah baskerville a whole lot of credit he, he's been really good this season for them already over 30 tackles and um has been able to get some takeaways for that defense here but overall this is not a very impressive lsu defense and, and you're used to having them debate with florida about uh, DBU, which team is DBU, which team is defensive back university. You've, you've seen 
time and time again, five-star defensive backs come out of there from Chris Sean Fulton. I mean, you name it. I could I could go on and on and on of players who have come out of LSU and players who have come out of Florida and have battled in this game. But this is really not an alluring contest from an overall talent perspective. Sure. Really, some of those big names that that you were looking for to step up this year, obviously – um, Kayshawn Boot, um, you know, you, you were looking for, I was looking for John Emery Jr. to have a good season. And then he missed a couple of games this year, a former guy who was ranked really, really high a couple of classes ago. Mm-hmm. This has just really kind of not been an enthusiastic LSU team from a talent standpoint, whether it's due to injuries or just due to what they had coming back here. And last thing I got to note, you know, that's an, an LSU offensive line. I know we were talking about Florida's offense right now, but this is an LSU offensive line. It really, I think, speaks to how cyclical the sport is in a sense because in 2019 when they won the national championship LSU had the best offensive line in the country by far I mean it was absolutely impressive a lot of those guys are in the NFL and you're now seeing the drop off what happens when recruiting wanes when you miss on prospects when the transfer Mm -hmm. portal allows players to leave after a bad year and you have a coaching change it can lead to a situation where your offensive line is absolutely nowhere where it needs to be and it's an advantage for Florida coming into this game Speaking of Florida, even though it's a question mark at whether Osiris Torrance does play, you'd think either way, knowing the depth that they have, the trust they have in Richie Leonard, getting Michael Tarquin back, that either way, they're going to have an advantage on the offensive line from Florida's offensive aspect. I, I really actually, I, you know, honestly, losing Osiris Torrance would be massively bad. Uh, you never want to lose your preseason All-American. You don't want to lose a guy who's a top-rated player in the country ever. However... I think Florida's offensive line might just be fine still. Like you said, I think that it's just a group that's really well prepared. Uh, it's a fundamentally sound group. They've looked excellent, I was going far as to say so far this season. Uh, there have been moments where I think that they could be better, and I think that they would say the same thing, uh, whether that's in run blocking uh, against Kentucky, I believe it was. They really struggled. Uh, there have been moments in pass protection where it's been kind of a letdown, and Anthony Richardson was able to save like the, you know, the sack total by just using his legs and rolling out. Uh, other than those moments, I, I've been super impressed, and I don't know that it's a massive concern, even if you don't have Torrance. I think that the group should hold its own. Uh, what I am concerned about is whether or not Florida will be able to keep pace through the air. Last week, Florida just threw for 66 yards against a pretty good defense, uh, one that's at least played well recently. Is Florida going to be able to be effective enough to keep pace with an LSU offense that's going to move fast? It's going to score points against this Florida defense. We can we know that. Uh, you know, Missouri has one of the worst offenses I think we're going to see this season. They put up 17 and, and look decent. Uh, I just wonder what a better offense like LSU's would be able to do. So uh, if that happens, it puts the pressure on Florida's offense to be able to, you know, go shot for shot and trade barbs, and that becomes difficult if your passing game uh, starts to falter. So uh, interesting things to keep an eye on, especially, by the way, uh, you know, if if Torrance is out, how does that affect Florida's rush game? Uh, will that be able to kind of take the place of what it wants to do through the air like it did against Missouri? Uh, these are the kinds of things I would keep an eye on with Florida's offense uh, and just kind of see how they get guys involved. Uh, Graham, any large takeaways before we move on to our uh, select the SEC segment here. Anything that you think just to kind of put a bow uh, on our LSU preview segment? I think this is going to be the most electric game of the season. I know that Utah was a massive season opener. I know that we, you know, got three night games to start this season. But when you talk about LSU, 
some of the games that have recently occurred. The crazy fog game from 2020. I know you weren't here for it, Jacob, but it was really surreal at times. You could hardly see the game. It was like a like a fireworks malfunction or something or, or weather combination. I don't know what it was, but it was eerie. You've seen mistakes. You've seen shoe throws people still talk about. You've seen five for five on fourth down in 2007. I mean, Jacob Hester is like going in the in the mirror for Florida fans and, and shouting Bloody Mary. You know, this is absolutely a game that has always just had twists and turns, unpredictable elements. It has had, uh, you know, things on the line. And when you're talking about all the narratives of this season, Billy Napier maybe possibly ending up, uh, you know, at LSU when he was right there in their backyard, you know, pilfering the state for talent um, away from the Tigers for so long. When you talk about absolutely some of the, you know, the narratives around the game. I mean, this had an athletic, these had athletic directors, you know, making spicy comments throughout the week as Hurricane Matthew was you know, set on arriving. We've had postponements. We've had the game relocated. I mean, everything you can imagine. We've had dead cat skeletons, my friend. So I think this is going to be the most electric and talked about game of the year. It would be really unfortunate if it was just this kind of by the book affair because, you know, history tells us that this is going to be a nail biter for one of these two teams, if not both of them. Yes, uh, certainly something to keep an eye on. Obviously, the, uh, you know, rivalry games can get funky. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a, it, it always can be wrinkly uh, when teams have emotion behind whatever's going on on the field. And plus, you, you talk about how there are really two teams that have been inconsistent so far this season. Uh, certainly could make for an interesting game. Let's talk about a whole group of interesting games, though, and move on over to our Select the SEC segment where you and I go back and forth and predict the winners of every SEC contest, uh, or excuse me, a, a game with an SEC team in it. There is one out-of-conference opponent uh, within the SEC slate this week. Uh, you and I will pick straight up and against the spread. We keep score two. Uh, interesting results still, Graham. We have uh, we have interesting records straight up, meaning just picking who's going to win the game. We are phenomenal. I am 53-10. and 10. Uh, you are 52 and 11. We haven't been wrong in a long time. Uh, that's doing, that's doing great against the spread. However, total disaster. Uh, I am 20 and 31. You are 19 and 32. In other words, uh, if people have been listening to us, Graham, they have lost a lot of money so far this year. Uh, and if you're upset about that, you can talk to Graham, but uh, let's jump right in. We go through every single game. Uh, Florida's contest, we will pick last, regardless of the order it's going to be played in time-wise. Uh, and we're going to start this week with Auburn at number nine, Ole Miss. Ole Miss enters play a 15-point favorite. Graham, uh, who wins straight up and against the spread? Ole Miss wins and covers. Brian Harson. Sorry, buddy. Not well working said. out. Well said. I agree. Uh, I'm going to go Ole Miss win and cover. Actually, kind of surprised that's only a 15 point line. Uh, I think Auburn is just uh, too inconsistent. Free yeah. money. There you go. Free money. Uh, this one's tougher. Vanderbilt traveling to number one Georgia. Uh, Georgia obviously six and zero on the season. Vandy getting it done though, three and three. Georgia 38 point favorite. It's a big number, Graham. Where are you at? 
Well, yeah, man, you know, this is a tough one. 38 points. I want to give Vanderbilt some respect, but I think Georgia wins and covers. I'm I'm with you. Uh, I it's a big number. That's a big number. 38's a lot. I think that Georgia barely gets it done. Uh, if you're betting this week, though, I'd just stay away from that. Let's move on. Uh, probably the game of the week in terms of an interest standpoint, not something that I'd necessarily want to touch uh, betting-wise, though. Number three, Alabama, headed to Rocky Top, Tennessee. Number six, Tennessee, Bama is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, where are you headed? I think that this is the game that Jacob finally understands what I've been saying. I think Alabama exposes Tennessee's defense. Ow. It's not going to be the, the Florida game that's going to disappoint Tennessee this year. It is absolutely going to be Alabama that breaks their hearts after they're up in the top 10 and all the Heisman Trophy talk about Hendon Hooker. I think he's picked off twice, and I think Alabama wins by double digits. I think they win in cover in Knoxville. Save this clip to roast me when I'm super wrong. Uh, and then save this one in case I'm super right. Forget Alabama. Get him out of here. Uh, I don't know if Bryce Young is going to play. I think he probably will, but if he does, he's hurt. Uh, I think Tennessee's offense has the juice, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the volunteers to just win it. Uh, I think that they, at a minimum, cover the seven and a half, but I, but I do think that they're actually able to get out in front, uh, prove, unlike what Graham said, I think that they prove that they're legit. Uh, and they make a push for that college football playoff. So I'm going uh, I'm going volunteers. We're going to do an out-of-conference game, although this one is interesting, Graham. So we will not have uh, against the spread picks. This is listed at even, so it's a pick em. Uh Arkansas taking on BYU in Provo. Arkansas is 3-3, three and three, BYU 4-2. and two. Both teams, which had been ranked, are unranked this week. Graham, which one are you picking? Man, I was all aboard the Razorbacks. I absolutely was all for the KJ Jefferson hype train. But man, I'm still on board. I'm going Arkansas wins and covers. <laughs> okay. There's nothing to cover. It's an even line. Uh, but Graham's they, they in the cover, They cover my butt and they back up all my statements is what I meant. Wow. Uh, how intense I, uh, I'm going to pick be. against you. I'm going with BYU. Uh, remember though, this game will not count against the, uh, spread just in the straight up standings. We're going to jump over LSU, Florida, uh, and take a look at one more ranked matchup, uh, 16 Mississippi state traveling to Lexington to take on number 22, Kentucky, uh, Bulldogs are a four point favorite. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Mississippi State. I think that they win and cover. Okay. Uh I'll tell you what. I think this is the line of the week. I don't know why anybody would pick Kentucky in this one, even if their starting quarterback returns. Uh I like how the Bulldogs look. That air raid uh, offense is devastating against defenses that don't know how to keep up. Uh I don't think Ken, uh, Kentucky keeps up. Four is not a big number. Uh I think Mississippi State is in, in a good place to win by at least a touchdown. Uh, so go dogs, Mississippi state win and cover. Uh, Graham, that brings us to the game that we will be at, which is LSU coming in at four and two 
taking on the Gators in the Swamp on Saturday. It's Tom Petty night, 7 p.m. kick. Uh, Florida also 4-2 and two and a 2.5-point favorite. Where are you going? Man, you know, earlier in this episode, you said that you were certain that this LSU offense was going to score points on this Florida defense, and I was waiting until now to let you know that I disagree with you. Mm. I think that after what LSU just did against a Tennessee team that Florida scored 33 against and left a lot of points on the field. Yeah. And LSU, despite having 300 passing yards, they struggled to run the football. And I am not certain that they're going to be able to do that with their offensive line. Okay. Against Florida's defense. I think that this is the worst offensive line that Florida has faced this season. Yep. And I maybe aside from Eastern Washington, no, no offense to the Eagles, but I think that that is absolutely going to come to fruition and lead to a lot of three and outs, some really sound defensive play from a Florida defense that struggled to get off the field on Mm -hmm. third down the season. I think you'll still see LSU have some big plays, maybe get some third and longs. That's just what you can get from Jaden Daniels. But I think that Florida wins this game by double digits, Jacob. Wow. I am going Florida to win over LSU and obviously cover. And I think that they win 27 to 16. Okay. Uh, That is definitely not what I thought you were going to say. I have a very different opinion, though. Um, I, as I said earlier in the show, I think I've gone back. I don't know that I said anywhere in the show that LSU is going to score a lot of points. I think that they're going to be able to score enough points that it's going to put some pressure on Florida's offense. Uh, I just see LSU being able to be successful against Florida's defense in the same way that USF was able to be successful. I think it's going to run the ball effectively. Uh, I think that the mobility of Jaden Daniels compares similarly uh, to Jerry uh, in that game. Uh, who was able to rush for over 100 yards. And I I think Daniels is better at what he did uh, so effectively. And I just think that there's going to be a lot of room for this LSU offense to operate, whether that's on third downs. Billy Napier even you know alluded to it a little bit earlier this week when he said that mobile quarterbacks like Jaden Daniels are the most successful on third down. And it's no secret at this point this season that Florida has been terrible on third down on defense. And so, you know, against a guy that, is going to find success uh, using his legs, potentially through the air, and you consider the struggles that Florida's defense has gone through in recent weeks, I just don't know how they're going to be able to stop the Tigers. I think that even with the struggles and the inconsistencies that we know about and have seen from this LSU team, I think you could make a lot of the same points about Florida's defense. I don't know why there's any reason to be confident uh, in that unit. And so here's my score prediction. I think it's a 27 to 24 ball game. LSU wins it though. Uh, I, I just don't know that you can bet on Florida's defense right now. Uh, I think that there have also been, you know, notable offensive inconsistencies uh, that Florida has had. Uh, while I think that there's opportunity for them to be successful, Florida only scored 17 offensive points against Missouri. Uh, you know, it, this will be more than that, I think. But I just, I, I, I would almost rather be proven wrong than pick Florida and and be wrong there. I, I'd rather pick LSU and just see that, you know, I made a mistake 
but I think that this is going to be a tough game. I think that it does not favor Florida well in any real matchups here, uh, except for maybe that defensive front against that LSU offensive line, like you said. Uh, and so I'll be willing to eat crow next week and hold me to it, uh, either in the comments on our YouTube page where you should like and subscribe or, you know, drop us a, the, the comment. Uh, doesn't have to be nice. I can handle it. I'm a big boy. You can tell me my opinions suck uh, and they mean nothing to you. It's fine. Uh, just do it. However, that should do it for this episode of the Swamp 247 podcast. You know where to find us, swamp247.com. Uh, we've got coverage of Florida football, basketball, and baseball, as well as a very lively message board community uh, where we share some inside info pretty much every single day uh, with the people who subscribe. So make sure you jump in on that. We're running a promotion right now, Graham, if you want to talk about that real quick, and uh, then we'll sign out of the show here. Absolutely. On Tuesday, as you guys heard from Jacob, him and Blake Alderman, recruiting analyst, uh, one of the best in the nation, if you ask me, did a great preview of Florida's host of official visitors for this weekend. And in celebration of that, we want to make sure that all Florida fans are tuned in to all of our daily coverage. We have analysis of recruiting, football, basketball, baseball, you name it, a fantastic message board community. And we want you to take part of it and become a part if you aren't already. And for right now, you can get two months for just $1. That's 100 pennies. You guys can find that in your seat cushions. I encourage everyone to subscribe. We're running that right now. That'll give you all the info throughout the rest of the season, as well as make you part of our fantastic community. So I encourage everyone to do that. What do you got to lose? It's just a dollar. Do it. There you go. Do it. You are such a good salesman. Uh, you heard the man. Swamp247.com. There you go. You see it on the screen. Head on over. Hit subscribe for two months uh, and, and give us a shot. Uh, we would love to have you over there. And so for Graham, uh, my name is Jacob Rudner. We thank you for listening to this episode of the Swamp247 podcast. And we will see you next week to review this game, uh, Florida taking on LSU, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time in the Swamp. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.